0: Thank you, B.B. Yeah, well, I, it's good being on, we're drawing to the end of our journey. Um, it's amazing. We've been really away from home since the end of June. So it's been the long period. First Ireland, then Poland, and then across, across here in North America. And, uh, just seeing the church, seeing the churches, sense, sensing the different things. Um, I, I had news even yesterday of difficulties in a church that's very dear to us, um, near to where we live, in fact, which we'll go back to. And you realize how the Lord <clears throat> is dealing and working with people. and. And I, I wanted to take up this theme of our body um, this morning um, because it, it just shows the wonder of the Lord's redeeming work. Uh, so the theme really begins in Colossians chapter 1. So if you turn there into that book of the Colossians, Chapter 1. And I entitled this particular uh, sharing together. From the verse in the, the first chapter, you move toward the end of the chapter. And as you read down, uh, he refers in the 24th verse to sufferings, so this is the apostle paul and he's telling us that he rejoices in his sufferings now i rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh and you know that uh, paul uses the word flesh in the scripture in his letters in two ways. On this occasion, he is actually referring to his body, his body, his limbs, his head, uh, hands, feet. So he's using the word flesh in that way. Uh, on other occasions, um, he uses the word flesh in contrast to spirit you might remember those who walk in the flesh. So you've got the famous verses um, in, in, in the book of Galatians, for instance, where he, he talks about living um, in the flesh or living in the spirit. And that's Galatians chapter five, very famous the fruit of the spirit. And uh, you, if you were to look there in Galatians five, you'd find that he the word spirit is in the upper case. So uh, if you walk in the spirit and the fruit of the spirit, capital. S, S in the upper case, the spirit as a source of life. And then he, he says, but the works of the flesh, the works of the flesh. And he says, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And so he's using the word flesh there as a source of energy from which people live. And of course, so you either live from the source of the spirits, the Holy Spirit's energies, or you live from the energies of your flesh, that is as a source. So he uses it in a different way. But here in Colossians 1, He's saying, My flesh, my physical body, my mortal body, is uh, I he's he in my flesh I complete what remains of Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. For the sake of his body, that is his church. And so the, the beautiful truth of how we, as the Lord's people, his church, are <clears throat> the way through which the Lord Jesus expresses himself. If I began by. Some of you will have heard of a, a, a Greek man called Aesop. Aesop. Have any, has everybody heard of this man? And he's famous particularly for um, fables that he wrote. He lived in about five centuries, I think around 450 before Christ. And one of his famous fables is about the physical body and the members of the body, the physical body. And in his fable, where he's trying to do some teaching through these kind of stories about <clears throat> the way that society runs, the way that society is as a body, so that each one is a member of the body. So for instance, in uh, the United States um, or Malaysia, you're having um, these elections coming up in two weeks time. And you, we talk about the body politic. You may have heard of that, the body politic. So society as a body, and of course this was a very strong belief in the days that Aesop wrote greek democracy a body of many members you're we are uh, in in malaysia there's the body politic we're all connected to one another malaysia every member, the Chinese community, the Indian community, the Orang Asli community, the, the Malay community, are really one community. And in Aesop's fable, where he's trying to picture this, our interconnectedness, <clears throat> he says that uh, the members of the body, of a body, so the arms and the legs and the hands uh, were thinking to themselves, the stomach does nothing except receive food. It does nothing except receive food, digest food, enjoy food and enjoy more food. And so they thought in this stupid way, we just, <clears throat> we just help the stomach to feed itself. And uh, so uh, the belly is getting full and nice and satisfied and we're doing the feeding. So the hand says, and the arm says, I'm going to stop putting food in the mouth. Uh, and the legs say, I'm going to stop walking to the restaurant. Um, you know, and uh, you understand the picture. So we're going to stop supplying this selfish belly. And <clears throat> so they did so. They went on strike and they stopped feeding <clears throat> the belly. And you can know exactly what happened. Of course, the, the body began to die. And, uh, and they kept on at it, you know, for a while until in the end, it looked as though the body was going to die. And so Aesop told this story. <clears throat> and as far as I know, they had to relent. And they began to realize that they suffered if they ceased to do their part in the body. That they had to, the hand had to, the arm had to put the food in the mouth. The legs had to walk to where the food was. And so this profound interconnectedness is actually a very powerful thing for us to think about. <clears throat> and when Paul, he's using this, of course, in, in this verse, he said, my flesh ha- is contributing f- for Jesus' sake, for the sake of his body. I, in my individual life, my individual flesh is part of his Body. And you will know very clearly if you pass over <clears throat> into 1 Corinthians how Paul takes up this same kind of theme. And no doubt Paul knew Aesop's fable. So in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, when he's talking about the church he's taking up the theme of the body the church as a body you could call it the body religious you could call it the body spiritual and he talks about verse um, 18 <clears throat> of chapter 12 or let's begin at 14 chapter 12 of 1 corinthians for the body does not consist of one member but of many and if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body that would not make it any less a part of the body that's a profound statement by the way that <clears throat> as soon as you were born of god's spirit you became part of christ's body and your flesh became a part that is your mortal life your day-to-day living you became part i became part of christ now you begin to think of that in the context of perhaps the local church that you are part of that you have been added to you just think of that that your flesh is for his body um, as paul puts it in colossians and isn't it wonderful to not only have a spiritual life but a spiritual life that is in the body. To have um, <clears throat> 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, for some of us, it's been nearly 60 years where with a, a real knowledge, um, we have been conscious that we are part of Christ's body upon earth that he himself the head is in heaven sat down at the right hand of the father and the way that he expresses himself the way that he works the way that he acts the way that he serves the way that he loves the way that he speaks the way you know, is by the Spirit's work through the living members of his body that are here upon earth. Now we know, don't we, <clears throat> that that involves our body. So if I was to take you now into the book of Hebrews and uh, to take you into chapter 10, you can begin to hear the wonderful delight of jesus when he's coming into the world so we are giving and given an insight here in hebrews chapter 10 of jesus the word becoming made flesh and the way that he is thinking so we're giving an insight into jesus as he is becoming incarnate of course he wasn't jesus before that he was the word and the word made flesh is called jesus by the command of god through the angel um, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus, that's the name, uh, which means Savior. And he could not have saved without this. And here he is. It says, verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 10, when Christ came into the world, he said, which is quite remarkable. Imagine this kind of awareness as he's coming into the world. He said, Sacrifice and offerings, thou hast not desired, but a body. Thou hast prepared me. In Burnt offerings and sin offerings, thou hast taken no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I have come to do thy will, O God, as it is written of me in the roll of the book, when he said above, thou hast neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings these are offered according to the law then he said lo i've come to do thy will uh, just just think of the delight of jesus the understanding so here is the babe oh you've given me a body father thank you for my body that by the energy of you the holy spirit you are incarnating me to do thy will oh god to do thy will i've come to do thy will a body hast thou prepared me we have to thank the precious mary the mother of jesus for providing her faithful heart and she presented her body to the, the word of god to the holy spirit and the angel had said because you remember she said now how can this be she didn't say i don't want this to happen uh, she was in utter agreement of faith and and she gave her body herself her heart but it necessitated her body to be the place in which the Spirit of God placed the seed, the seed. And so the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we see encapsulated in this lovely phrase an explanation to what Jesus did in his body throughout the 33 years of his life upon earth he did not work our redemption uh, through his godhead power in some strange mystery he laid aside his majesty and he in the title Son of Man, that he loved to take, he lived life by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit's power, and he lived man as man living in fellowship with his Father by the Holy Spirit. He constructed a completely new human nature, a new man. And I'll show you that a little bit more uh, from the book of Romans. Now, <clears throat> you know, and I won't mention, I'll only mention this in a phrase or two. You realize that this incredible man, that is going to appear at the end of the age, that the scripture calls the Antichrist, you realize that he is going to be <clears throat> the most developed incarnation of the wicked spirit That we call Satan and the devil. That there have been lesser manifestations, lesser incarnations. Hitler, for instance, Pol Pot, you could say. They're more terrible versions, but spirits long for incarnation. Angels fallen ones they want incarnation and this is a, a terrible thing to contemplate um, <clears throat> and so the one we call the antichrist is going to come forth He's going to be a man who yields himself up and where uh, and he's going to be flesh and you understand that in a measure in the body politic say in the United States, let's just talk about that there, that in some way there is this amazing uh, blend and uh, unification of, you know, the famous phrase about power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely you know this phrase i can't rim- recall who said it that there seems to be a, uh, in a human heart they begin to present their bodies to the political ideal that they follow marx for instance, or you know, following the teachings of Marx, the Marx was presented, where did his ideas come from? You know, when he wrote that book and then they came not simply from his own mind, but the suggestion of spirits and he presented his body. He presented his thought patterns. He presented his thinking. He presented his limbs to write that book. And then you think of Lenin reading the book and others reading the book, and he presents his body as a sacrifice a living sacrifice to the ideas <clears throat> of, of Marx. Engels did the same. And so the Russian revolution took place. I'm wanting to paint the picture very clearly to our hearts uh, that we understand how it works and so you have politicians you have business people where does that which is just the natural fallen mind working and expressing itself through the body <clears throat> of that person where does it end and where does the energies of other spirits come and influence and work. This is one of the reasons that the church, we need discernment to see. Paul expresses it this way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's how he puts it that there is not only flesh and blood in the White House, there's not only flesh and blood in Westminster, there's not only flesh and blood in Harvard developing these ideas that we now call wokeism in North America, and to a degree, they're using that word sure. in England as well. We wrestle not simply against the flesh and blood, these people <clears throat> are yielding themselves up to spiritual wickedness. That somehow they correlate to, <clears throat> they correlate to, there's a sort of a kinship. And if I was to switch it to Hollywood, the same principle pertains. And I don't want to develop this too much, but just to say to you that you understand that demonic powers have nests where they gather. And Hollywood, you could say, is a nest of demonic powers where there are people that are giving themselves up. They're giving their bodies, which includes their thinking powers. They're giving their flesh to the constructs and if I switch this to a member of the body of Christ, do you know the name of the man who said, I became the most reluctant Christ, uh, Christian in uh, England? Do you know the name of the man who became convinced of the veracity of the truth of God and the saving work of Jesus and he became convinced about it. And he declared himself to be the most reluctant Christian in England. And uh, he gave his body as flesh to the body of Christ. And in particular, he gave his mind and he gave his thinking and he gave his imagination and he gave the powers of his intellect right over to Christ and the spirit. And he wrote books like um, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe. <laughs> I'm talking about CS Lewis. You see, he gave himself over. He gave his mind over. He gave his intellect over. He, and he, he gave his mouth over. He gave his body over. Isn't that wonderful to think of an obedient man, obedient to the promptings of the spirit, giving those talks on the bbc radio uh, talks about christ the profound logic that c.s lewis you see flesh for the body of christ that's the thing hallelujah and i go into the book of romans and uh, i i take you into chapter one and i'll Put your eye on several scriptures um, in the Book of Romans, because you'll find the body is a theme in Romans. You know that the 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 Book of Romans is Paul's thesis about salvation. You you know that, don't you? Um, it's a wonderful letter, and. Um, it appeals to some of us more than others, but he he begins, of course, with his introduction and he talks about the gospel, that he is just, Paul is sold out to the gospel of God. So if I put your eye in the first chapter, and he says <clears throat> that he's the servant, the, he's the slave, the body slave, the heart slave, you know, of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. His slavery takes the form of apostleship. You all see that his slavery takes the form of apostleship. Hallelujah. And uh, you know, what does my slavery to Jesus Christ, what form does it take in my life? The, you understand, uh, my flesh for his body. And he says that I am sold out, verse three, to the gospel the gospel of his son, the gospel concerning his son. That's what Paul was sold out to. And uh, uh, you, you go on through the chapter, and he says, verse 9, that he serves the Lord. All right, I serve God with my spirit, in the gospel of his son you know i serve the lord uh, with my spirit in the gospel so his spirit is working and spirit works in fellowship with the spirit of god your spirit works in fellowship with the Spirit of God. And that Spirit manifests itself through your body. Isn't it wonderful to have a body? A body to do his will in. Jesus said, as I pointed out from Hebrews, thank you for my body. Thank you. To do your will in, Lord. And then Paul goes on doesn't he? And he mentions the gospel again. He says in verse 15, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. His body's got to take him to Rome. And what's he going to do there? He's eager to preach. And then you come down through into verse 16 and he says i'm not ashamed of the gospel uh, it's the power of god unto salvation blessed be the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord you know, I'm not ashamed. I know it's the power of God unto salvation. So he's a gospel man in his spirit. He's a gospel man in his bodily life. And that's what he's on earth for. And you move into verse 18, and he begins to write about the dire straits into which all mankind has fallen. And he's inevitably going to talk, first of all, about things of the heart of man, the mind of man, the attitudes of man, the spirit of man. He's not going to talk about the body of man, the bodies of man first. He's going to talk about the inward life of man, it's inevitable, and he says the wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. And he's going to begin to show how the inward thoughts of man and the inward attitudes of man they suppressed the truth. Conscience was registering concerning the reality of God and they chose. So the body politic of man, the whole mass of man, chose to n- deny God, Although they knew God, verse 21, they did not honor him as God, neither give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their senseless minds were darkened. And so the inward states are departing from the reality of God and as soon as they departed, their bodies began to work. And as their bodies worked, they, instead of, because man is an inveterate worshiper, he must worship, man is built to worship he's built to worship with his mind first with his body and what is done in the mind and in the heart will issue in the body and so their bodies began to work to change the glory of the immortal god verse 23 for images and of course in primitive. Man, you could say, here's the images, even the building. Can you think of all the bodily activity in the construction of Babel? We'll build a tower and we'll make a name for ourselves. And so the bodies of them became utterly given to what was working in their spirits and in their minds the denial of God. And so these images of mortal man, of bought birds or animals or reptiles. Now you come to this. And you can see this. It's been happening in the 20th century, late 20th century, gathering momentum in the 21st century. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, and here it comes, to the dishonoring of their body, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. It, it, it's, it, you realize that this worship of the creature, uh, working out through the body, uh, man with man, woman with woman, dishonoring their body working its way out in what's now called transgenderism, well, Disinter- sure. dishonoring their bodies, their bodies, their bodies, worshipping and serving the creature. You may never have thought of it this way, but in the old English service, the marriage service, when a man is marrying a woman, in the old service, one of the parts and phrases of the vows was, With my body, I thee worship. Legitimate worship of the creature. With my body, I thee worship. I render you honor, wife. I render you honor, husband, in every department. This glorifies, uh, for instance, the wife cooking a meal in love for her husband. It's an act of worship. This renders the man in his going to his job to obtain the money, to bless his wife it it brings everything into the realm with my body i thee worship beautiful isn't it and uh, but here you can see the in the negative here can you see the inevitability of sodom sodomy can you see all the the dishonoring that even Lot was going to do to his daughters by giving them. You understand the dishonoring of the body. And we're living in ages where God is giving them up to this. Oh dear, so we understand the abuse of the body working its way out not only in the sexual but say in the politician the lecturer who is giving his body up to so that all the unbelief and denial of god uh, is is working its way out into the body politic into the whole body of humanity oh dear and isn't it wonderful when you begin to see these precious men and women of the old testament who when god appeared to them and made himself known to them their minds and hearts and spirits accepted and walked by faith and their walk of faith worked its way out in their bodies glory to god worked its way out in their bodies so i think of noah noah found grace in the eyes of the lord and isn't it wonderful how that grace that was working in Noah worked its way out to the construction of the ark, the work of Noah. He presented his body as flesh for the body of God's will in his age. This is the sanctification of work, you see, the sanctification of being an artificer with wood, this construction of the ark. We think of Abraham. So if I switch in my thinking to Abraham, who believed God that he would have a child, a seed would be given to him and he became old and god waited till all his natural energies were passed away and he presented his body in faith as an old man to the will of god to and lo sarah conceived and bore a child that thing impossible he gave his body to the lord you know we really need to sing for joy about these things we really need to see what redeeming love the lord is and you know how jesus every moment presented his body as a living sacrifice unto his Father's will. You know, his mind, his thinking, he grew in favor with God and man. Oh, the beauty of Jesus, a, a body. You've given me a body to do your will in, Father. Thank you, thank you. And that worked its way out until, you know, the culminating sacrifice, you know, Calvary. Praise the Lord. He gave his body and all his, you know, you know for well sure that the reason he gave his body at the cross, because he'd given his heart and mind and every action and every thought as a living sacrifice to God, his Father, all through life's journey. Amen he gave himself that's this is jesus the spotless lamb the one who done no sin a body you've prepared me this is one of the reasons my brethren that you are going to have a glorified body one day that i'm going to have a glorified body one day that uh, the redemption it, it, it wasn't just Jesus' spirit that was raised from the dead. It wasn't just his mind and heart and inner man that was raised from the dead. It was his body as well. The totality. And we wait for this, you see. And as as I read these things i go into romans chapter six for instance and i begin to read you know six comes after five which is rather obvious and you know how in five do you realize that in five in paul's thinking he is only thinking that there's ever only been two men adam and christ adam and christ there's only ever been two men and you know what adam did with his body what he did first with his mind to the temptation yielded himself up his inner man was yielded up and it worked out through his body there it was and then Jesus, you remember. He's in a man and he's out man. And so here it is. We are justified by Jesus' blood, is how Paul begins to talk in chapter five of, of Romans. And he talks about his life and he says, there's just this one man so i go down through toward the end verse 16 of chapter five the effect of one man's sin come down to everyone the whole body politic the whole mass of humanity has he's is, is thinking of us all as one great body in Adam. The, the sin, it came down. It, it's one man's trespass, verse 15, just the whole of mankind. Verse 14, death reigned. It's, it's an amazing concept that's in Paul's mind. It's got to come in to your heart and mind. One man one man the whole body politic like a body of adam you could go further and say like the body of the prince of the power of the air who worked through adam are you are you understanding that it's almost as though mankind in its corporate sense, became a manifestation of the wicked spirit of Satan to a lesser or greater degree, almost like Satan's body on the earth. Horrible picture to think about, but its you could talk about it like that, and then he talks about the free gift of christ is by so i'm in the second half of verse 15 of chapter 5 the free gift in the grace of that one man jesus christ has abounded for many you know when you were baptized in the holy ghost born again of god's spirit you know that you were brought from death to life you know that you were baptized into his death that's how chapter six talks about it you were baptized into his death and you know that you were brought into life and you became a member of the body of christ your bodies you became a member of that one man, Christ Jesus. His blood uh, cleansed you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. You become a part of his body. You are no longer in uh, Adam you were made righteous end of verse 19 um, by one man's obedience many will be made righteous this is jesus i'm in him i've been made righteous i've been made righteous you know i'm a member of his body when one man's disobedience the beginning of verse 19 many were made sinners not accounted as sinners but they were made sinners you were made righteous in christ now your calling is to live out that righteousness you to become a living sacrifice joined unto your heavenly head receiving his life by the spirit and i go quickly into the 6th chapter and i i read that <clears throat> that uh, we died with christ verse 8 we shall live with him uh, here he goes on, verse 12, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies. It's, you're no longer in Adam, you're in Christ, because you passed through death beca- with Christ, because you're in Christ, because I'm in Christ. Let not sin uh, reign in your mortal bodies, to obey to make you obey their passions do not yield your members that's the members of your body as instruments of wickedness but yield yourselves to god as men who have been brought from death to life and your members to god as instruments of righteousness he has saved you you're no longer part of the one man adam you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love that's the colossians one way of putting it this you are no longer in adam i can't say that enough it is not possible to live in both the old man do you realize that jesus was spending 33 years constructing the new man the new man is a man in christ jesus who gave himself utterly to the will of his father and lived in the obedience a living sacrifice and he gave his body and he it came to the cross and that new man hanging there on the cross took into himself that old species of adam sinful adam that species that species of man that um, Bastard thing, we could say, that illegitimate thing, that kind of man, that species with those habits, with those obedience, Jesus took it. To its death, that which could not die because it would constantly perpetuate its selfishness, its selfish life, its selfish habits, it could not die. The spotless lamb was made sin for us, and it in Christ it died. That kind of man died adam died the debt was paid justice divine is satisfied all may live from sin set free and uh, having done that jesus was raised from the dead to die no more to be the first firstborn from among the dead and as <clears throat> with a natural birth the head comes out of the womb first followed by the shoulders and the rest of the body so the lord jesus came forth from death first and then the body has been coming forth ever since his body. Pentecostal day, if you want to try and strictly keep to that picture, was the shoulders coming forth. If you want to try and talk about it that way. And you know, i came forth you came forth you are members of his body yield yourselves to god i'm in the end of verse 13 chapter 6 as men who've been brought from death to life and yield your members to God as instruments of righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are no longer under the law but under grace. Can you see the victory? The victory, the victory. Praise the Lord! And you know that in the 12th chapter, and I'll go there now. <clears throat> and where you receive the further appeal of paul i appeal to you therefore brethren by the mercies of god to present your bodies you know the evangelist will say the holiness preacher might say you must give to God your all. That's the kind of language. Give him everything. That's the sort of language we use. Present your everything to God. But Paul doesn't talk about your everything. It's too vague. He encapsulates all there is of you by saying to you this Sunday morning in Canada, this Sunday evening uh, coming to past nine o'clock in the evening in Malaysia. You know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your flesh, my flesh for his body. Uh, present yourself to him, which includes your thinking, your mind, your reasoning faculties, your imaginations, y- the, the physical members of your body. Oh, I'm here to do your will, oh God. You've given me newness of life inwardly that works out through my physical frame, whether it's growing old or not yea I say this to you um, present your bodies my brethren and sisters unto him to the life that he has given you and you never know it it may please him and I go back into the eighth chapter now just for a verse that as you live this way and the spirit of his life is working in you verse 9 of chapter 8 if the spirit of god really dwells in you verse 10 but if christ is in you though your bodies are dead because of sin its effects still lingering there your spirits are alive because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwell in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies there's an energy that comes from the spirit of god in you to enable you to have life in your mortal bodies to move your bodies into new habits habits of obedience habits of joyfulness habits my brethren where you can't sing dirty songs you can't talk dirty jokes you can't use bad language it's an impossibility to you your spirit can't uh, is working in you so that your body can't give it to uh, you, you. Can't give your body to something you should not give it to. Your body's quickened, and it by his spirit that dwells in you. This is a great secret, a great secret, a great secret. The, the spirit working in you and maybe even working in you in such a way that will heal your body of perhaps some physical disease that is in it. Sometimes he does that. He loves your body. He's for your body. He has bought your body. You are bought with a price. He just didn't buy your inward life. He bought your physical life to your body. So that if I develop that thought in Romans chapter 8, I read this. That uh, at the moment, there's a groan going on; we know it's not fully finished in our experience; This redeeming work of God is not fully finished in our experience. You know, and Paul talks about verse nineteen, the creation waits romans eight nineteen with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god for the creation was subjected to futility not of its own will but by the will of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay you know our bodies are you know, are in the bondage of decay. I feel that now. <clears throat> I do my 60 press-ups in the morning, uh, push-ups, and I do my 60 squats, and when I'm home, I go swimming uh, when I can and swim about a kilometre which will surprise Beebe because she knows I couldn't swim three and a half years ago. I never swam in my life, but um, she mocked me, did Beebe, and say, oh, you know, you can't swim. We were at a conference with all the people and they saw me splashing around in the water. <laughs> you know, like an idiot. And they laughed at me and I said, I'll come back next year to the next conference swimming anyway. But, you know, I'm aware that my body is not what it was and you'll all feel the same the bondage <laughs> to decay but isn't it wonderful because of what jesus did. his body is in heaven his flesh is in heaven the total redemption and you and i are part of his body and so we who have the first fruits of the spirit verse 23 we groan inwardly as we wait for the adoption of sons the redemption of our bodies you get a little prelude to this when you look at the transfiguration mount and you see what happened to jesus where the inward glorious states of his beautiful holy manhood shone through his mortal flesh and he glowed with a glory, He's, he shone. And you get a little prelude of what manner of body you and I will have like unto his glorious body. Isn't it amazing that dear John, the Revelator, when he looks in and sees the lamb upon the throne, he sees the, the lamb. He's, it seems as though the lamb-like inward states of Jesus, that the, the resurrection glorified body of Jesus can at times look like a lamb. The body can express the inward state, something that doesn't happen to you and I now, but in those days to come, in those days, the body of glory that shall be given to us. We wait for the redemption of our body. Isn't it tremendous? You need not be against your body. You need not be ashamed of your body your body is loved by god your flesh is for his body the remainder of your days uh, there's a dear brother here and he has parkinson's and i was you know he's an old friend from long ago it's a delight to see him again and his wife here yeah. and you know the uh, he, he, he sat there in the meetings and he got up with his stick and he almost fell over. Thank God there was some chairs there. You know, but there he is determined to glorify God in his body in these latter days of his life even suffering this decrepitude he's determined to glorify god to do the father's will to sing the father's songs as he did yesterday in the meetings and lead one or two of them and amen amen you see this is what it's all about and one day Oh, I remember so clearly, you know, a good old friend of ours who had a, a son in, who, at the age of 12, he died. And he asked me if I would take the funeral of this boy. And this boy had never walked. This boy uh, could never spoken. This boy had been there in uh grown up to the age of 12 and they called them in those days spastic in those days and he died and i drove to the funeral and i was looking to the lord lord what do you want me to speak on and i remember the lord gave me that word in one corinthians 15 with what body do they come and I spoke of this young lad that in, who had never sinned, who had the blood of Jesus availed for him. And uh, that in that day when Jesus comes, with what body shall that boy come? Glorified body. With what body shall you come? This is 1 Corinthians 15 I'm quoting from. Red, your body redeemed. You say, well, how will that be if I got blown to bits in, in a, a bomb and my body's all who knows where? Leave it to God. Leave it to God. He who knows every atom that makes us up. He, he will resurrect our body. Hallelujah. Wonderful thing, isn't it? Wonderful thing. Meanwhile, meanwhile, as we live the rest of our days here, back to chapter 12, you know, present your body a living sacrifice. You're alive, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be metamorphosized, transformed. You know, transformed by the renewal of your mind. Something goes on in you when you present your bodies to the reality of what your destiny is and who you are. You are part of the body politic of Jesus. And something goes on in you. You become renewed a bit more in your mind. And uh, so... The will of God is being wrought in you, acceptable and perfect. And this is what it says. It says that as you present your body, look at this. It says that you present your body, you'll have a measure of faith. You won't think more highly of yourself than you should think verse 3 you'll be given a measure of faith you'll think of yourself with sober judgment and then you will be a functioning member of his body for verse 4 as in one body we have many members and all the members do not have the same function so we though many are one body in christ an individual members one of another having gifts and if according to the measure of faith we use those gifts those gifts we become a gift to the body isn't your liver a gift to your body isn't your aren't your lungs a gift to your physical body isn't your belly a gift to your remember aesop's fable where we began you know let the, this not me, this member say that member over there is lazy you know let us understand we are members of his body. I present my body and as a living sacrifice and immediately my flesh is for his body. I'm a member in his body. I become a gift in his body. He gifts me. You understand this tremendousness of what the Lord has done. Having gifts that differ according to the grace, verse 6, given to us, let us use them. Use those powers of your body unto the general good. I spoke to a lady yesterday. I scarcely know her, and she mentioned to me that since her retirement, she's been writing a book a Christian book, she hopes it will be published. And uh, she just obviously uh, had some um, storyline that was given to her and she's been applying her mind, uh, uh, which is part of her body to the service, to express the truth of God by the medium of a book, writing a book. I'm, I'm presenting my body. You know, uh, when I present my body and just thinking of the meetings that I'm speaking at this weekend, I present my body hour by hour. Part of my calling, part of my wife's calling as she stood alongside me is to let me spend hours in solitude, waiting on God. And she's presented her body to that. And so she has been alongside me in it. And so we present our bodies to the gifts that the Lord has given us. And as we do that, we in turn become a gift. We think of those who have given themselves. I'm thinking of uh, a couple, I th- you know, couples that I know who gave themselves to orphans and to needy children. I think of a lady I know in, uh, in, um, in um, Bolivia, given her life, given her body. I think of others, you know, who've given themselves. Uh, in Thailand, I think of different ones. And, uh, you know, I think of couples that have gone to be with the Lord. I think of Amy Carmichael. Then I, I think of those who stayed home and gave their bodies living sacrifices and so we're all part one of the other you must give your body you know some of you i always remember some people say to me why do you why do you reply so quickly usually to emails and messages and so on and so on do you know i used to travel to places in africa and places in India, and places in other remote places, and I would stay with a missionary couple, uh, perhaps in the jungle somewhere, on occasions I had to be flown in by helicopter and things like that, remote places, and oh the highlight, perhaps once a month, perhaps once a week, where the, where the the missionary would say, we, we can go, we, we can drive the 30 miles to the post office box and uh, through all the rough roads you might drive and you would arrive at the post office and they'd go to their PO box in years gone by before there was internet and all that stuff and they would open the post office box and you could see their face drop there was no letter, there were no letters. There was nothing from anybody back in the home base. And I learned through that to take time in the days of snail mail, to write letters, to write letters that were out there. I gave my body to that, just a small thing, but to write a letter takes time to think of them and to write to them. You see, whatever it is you can do, I think of another lady who presented her body. Uh, I was in a conference and I said there's, I was talking about a man in that foreign land, his name was Peter Rapgay, he was Nepali. And uh, I remember, uh, it's mentioning him and his ministry and his service and so on. I thought no more about it till the next year. And uh, next year, a lady came up to me and she said, here is money. And uh, will you take it to Nepal? And will you give it to Peter Rapgay? And uh, I said, of course, of course. And uh, and I faithfully did it. But I said to her, where did you get the money from? And she said, my husband's not a Christian and he will not give me any money. She, he own, he will not allow me to give money to anything or anybody. She, He won't let me give money to the church and so on. I said, well, where did you get this money from? And she said, I do embroidery. And she's, she's told me, I have got bits of cloth and I've sewed them. And with ends of thread, I have embroidered designs on these and made tea towels for drying dishes. And I have sold these tea towels and this is the money she gave her body living sacrifice in the, me- the measure that she could amen whatever it is whether we're weakened in strength and so on whatever it is whatever it is present your body as uh, a, the sanctification of menial work with my body I thee worship. Amen. So I end with those little stories. Uh, and <clears throat> present your bodies as living sacrifices. <sighs> Amen, Bibi. Thank you. I'm going to leave it there. Amen. 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 Thank yeah. you. Would you like to lead us in prayer? Dr. Bernard? Yes, yes, I will. Oh, Lord, what a privilege it is. Oh, Lord, thank you. Once upon a time, we were very consciously, or perhaps not so consciously, part of, of Adam, part of a wicked spirit working in us, carrying us to use our minds wrongly, to think anger, to think hate, to think cruelty, to think unkindness, and sometimes that worked out in our bodies as well, to think sin and uncleanness, and that worked out in our bodies, and we did things we knew to be wrong, and we we worship the creature more than the creator. And, oh, we magnify you, Lord, for your saving work, for your call in our hearts, for gathering us to your Son. Oh, Lord Jesus, I praise you. We praise you together today for this. Oh, thank you, Father, for giving me a body to do your will in. Thank you for your redeeming action in everything every second of your life every second of your days upon earth Lord Jesus giving yourself to your father and your father's will expressing it uh, unto those that you were with by word and by work by Oh Lord, help us to understand. Perhaps you'll give us healing hands. Maybe, Lord, it may happen once or twice or three or four times where a touch of our hand, because we're your body, you will Touch someone unto healing. Perhaps through a hug you will heal hearts as our bodies express your love for mankind. Perhaps the tone of our voice speaking to a girl in a supermarket, who's, or a man at the supermarket at the checkout that perhaps through words we speak, through our tongue, there'll be some ministry from your heart. Thank you that you've given us bodies. Thank you, Lord, that you have joined us to your son. Thank you that we have weak bodies maybe if we are older, bodies with less strength. Uh, where the bondage to decay is working. But we thank you that in us is your spirit who quickens our mortal bodies to do your will in, in the present moment. Oh, Father, thank you for these things. We, we revel in the truth of it. We revel in the promise of it, we revel and we love you together, oh Lord. We are not of the body politic, Republican, we're not of the body politic, American or European or whatever it is. First, we are in your body, Lord Jesus, to do the will of our head and we affirm that clearly together we're yours bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's hallelujah amen amen Every-